Hello, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the July 5th episode of the podcast, Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll be looking at numbers 1450 through 1460 of the Catechism. 7. The Acts of the Penitent. 1450. Penance requires the sinner to endure all things willingly, be contrite of heart, confess with the lips, and practice complete humility and fruitful satisfaction. Contrition, 1451. Among the penitent's acts, contrition occupies first place. Contrition is sorrow of the soul and detestion for the sin committed together with the resolution not to sin again. 1452. When it arises from a love by which God is loved above all else, contrition is called perfect, contrition of charity. Such contrition remits venial sins. It also obtains forgiveness of mortal sins if it includes the firm resolution to have recourse to sacramental confession as soon as possible. 1453. The contrition called imperfect or attrition is also a gift of God. A prompting of the Holy Spirit is born of the consideration of sin's ugliness or the fear of eternal damnation and the other penalties threaten the sinner. Contrition of fear. Such a stirring of conscience can initiate an interior process which, under the prompting of grace, will be brought to completion by sacramental absolution. By itself, however, imperfect contrition cannot obtain the forgiveness of grave sins, but it disposes one to obtain forgiveness in the sacrament of penance. 1454. The reception of the sacrament ought to be prepared for by an examination of conscience made in the light of the word of God. The passages best suited to this can be found in the Ten Commandments, the moral catechesis of the Gospels and the apostolic letters, such as the Sermon on the Mount and the apostolic teachings. The Confession of Sins 1455 The confession or disclosure of sins, even from a simply human point of view, frees us and facilitates our reconciliation with others. Through such an an admission, man looks squarely at the sins he is guilty of, takes responsibility for them, and thereby opens himself again to God and to the communion of the Church in order to make a new future possible. 1456 Confession to a priest is an essential part of the sacrament of penance. All mortal sins, of which penitence, after a diligent self-examination, are conscious, must be recounted by them in confession, even if they are most secret and have been committed against the last two precepts of the Decalogue. For these sins sometimes wound the soul most grievously and are more dangerous than those which are, which are committed openly. When Christ's faithful strive to confess all the sins they can remember, they undoubtedly place all of them before the divine mercy for pardon. But those who fail to do so and knowingly withhold some, place nothing before the divine goodness. For remission, through the mediation of a priest, for if the sick person is too ashamed to show his wound to the doctor, the medicine cannot heal what it does not know. 1457. According to the, church, to the Church's command, after having attained the age of discretion, each of the faithful is bound by an obligation faithfully to confess serious sins at least once a year. Anyone who is aware of having committed a mortal sin must not receive communion, even if he expresses a deep contrition without first having 
received sacramental absolution unless he has a grave reason for receiving communion and there is no possibility of going to confession. Children must go to the sacrament of penance before receiving Holy Communion for the first time. 1458. Without being strictly necessary, confession of everyday faults, venial sins, is nonetheless strongly recommended by the Church. Indeed, the regular confession of our venial sins helps us form our conscience, fight against evil tendencies, let ourselves be healed by Christ, and progress in life of the Spirit. By receiving more frequently through the sacrament, the gift of the Father's mercy, we are spurred to be merciful as he is merciful. Whoever confesses his sins is already working with God. God indicts your sins, if you also indict them. You are joined with God. Man and sinner are, so to speak, two realities. When you hear man, that is what God has made. When you hear sinner, that is what man has made himself. Destroy what you have made, so that God may save what he has made. When you begin to abhor what you have made, it is then that your good works are beginning, since you are accusing yourself of your evil works. The beginning of good works is the confession of evil works. You do the truth and come to the light. Satisfaction 1459 Many sins wrong our neighbour. One must do all that is possible in order to repair the harm. For example, return stolen goods, restore the reputation of somebody slandered, pay compensation for injuries. Simple justice requires as much, but sin also injures and weakens the sinner himself, as well as his relationship with God and his neighbour. Absolution takes away sin, but it does not remedy all the disorders sin has caused. Raised up from sin, the sinner must still recover his full spiritual health by doing something more to make amends for sin. He must make satisfaction for or expiate his sins. This satisfaction is also called penance. 1460. The penance the confessor imposes must take into account the penitent's personal situation and must seek his spiritual good. It must correspond as far as possible with the gravity and nature of the sins committed. It can consist of prayer and offering works of mercy, service of neighbour, voluntary self-denial, sacrifices and above all, the patient acceptance of the cross we must bear. Such penances help configure us to Christ, who alone expiated our sins once and for all. They allow us to become co-heirs with the risen Christ, provided we suffer with him. The satisfaction that we make for our sins, however, is not so much ours as though it were not done through Jesus Christ. We who can do nothing ourselves, as if just by ourselves, can do all things with the cooperation of him who strengthens us. Thus man, who has nothing of which to boast, but all of our boastings is in Christ, in whom we make satisfaction by bringing forth fruits that befit repentance. These fruits have their efficacy from him. By him they are offered to the Father, and through him they are accepted by the Father. Okay, so the section on penance, on uh, contrition, uh, confession, and uh, again, we're going through the acts of the penitent in the sacrament. And uh, I suppose, first of all, to say that these can be done also outside of the sacrament. That's why it's talking about contrition and this idea of um, perfect contrition, uh, this contrition of love, um, can remit venial sins 
and even obtain forgiveness for mortal sins if we resolve to go to confession when we can. So, in other words, if you're in the aeroplane and the aeroplane is going down and you truly mean to God that you are fully sorry for whatever sin you have committed, you could be a serial killer or whatever you want, but if you have a true repentance, you will be forgiven. Then, of course, if you survive, if the plane levels out and doesn't crash or whatever, um, then you can... um, then you must go to confession when you're able to. But that this um, this perfect contrition already obtains forgiveness for us. The imperfect contrition, uh, which is this um, fear of sin because it disgusts us, because sin ultimately isn't pleasant. Sin is disgusting. So if it just it, it, it nauseates us or else we're afraid of the pains of hell, again, it's good. This is good. Obviously, it's better not to to repent of sin because you love God. But also, if you repent of sin because uh, it disgusts you or because you're afraid of punishment, this is also good. It doesn't obtain the same amount of forgiveness, but it prepares us for for confession and it prepares us to have this perfect um, contrition, which is really um, a sorrow for sin that comes out of love for God. To love God as the heart of this. But we need this, we need this sorrow for sins. You know, if you go to confession uh, because, I don't know, your mother has got a, um, a shotgun pressed to your back and she forces you into the confession box and you confess just so that she doesn't uh, shoot you, but uh, without really being sorry, then it's not, um, it's not confession. There's no contrition there. You might have performed all the actions. This is why we were saying that what happens in the heart is what is impossible, is what is important. What goes on in the heart, this, this uh, forum, this internal forum, this forum of the heart of man, this is the most important thing in confession. And we're invited in our heart to um, to repent, to come back to God in our hearts. Then the confession of sins, which is to name everything that we have done, especially the mortal sins, and uh, these are the, the the main things. And then the satisfaction, the penance. There isn't so much a payment for your sin, because the payment for our sin was made by Christ on the cross, and that's it. He paid everything. You know, it wasn't that he paid for the meal and you've got to leave, leave the tip. No. He paid everything. Everything. And yet the penance is good. The satisfaction of the penance is good for us. But as the Catechism says, that it has to be completed, or well not it has to be, but it is completed. It can only be completed through the grace of Christ, through his strength that he gives us allows us to uh, to repent, allows us to make satisfaction, allows us to do penance through his grace that he strengthens us. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. The strengthening of Christ is 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 vital. So we're um, so again we're invited to this uh, to this attitude 
of coming to the Lord in perfect contrition, repenting of our sins out of love and finding the forgiveness that God offers us, especially in the sacrament of penance. So very well, tomorrow we'll continue. And tomorrow we're going to look at Numbers 1461 through 1467. God bless.